Well, my name is John, and I am the college pastor here, and excited to get into God's Word a little bit. Let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you that you really are such a good, good father. Mm. Pray that there would be a revelation of that in our lives this morning. We're asking that you would speak directly to us as that good, good father, and that you would blast away our misconceptions of who you are. The places where we just miss it on understanding how good you are and how loving you are. Just ask for your help in those areas. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. One of my fav- one of the favorite feelings for me in life is that feeling of crossing something off a to-do list. It's like you've got your to-do list. Bang! There it is. Crossing it off. Uh, crossing it off. Now, one of my least favorite feelings in the world is being crushed by a too long to-do list. And where you just feel like, I crossed another one off, and there's still 15 more to go. Um, just That is one of my least favorite feelings, being crushed by the to-dos, by so many different things to do. Um, I'm in this unique season in life uh, that is fairly all-encompassing, And it is called, I'm getting married soon season. And it is a crazy season. It's a good season. Um, But it means that I am fairly good friends with to-do lists in this season. Uh, If you've ever been through that season, um, maybe you're friends with to-do lists. And if not, you may despise that season. Might have been overwhelming or stuff didn't go right. I don't know. But uh, at I have some really good experiences, even in this season, with to-do lists and getting things done and crossing it off. Um, But I've also become a bit of a friend with that not-so-great feeling of, oh, there's just another, I just can't get ahead of this to-do list. So sometimes, uh, on those sorts of days, by the end of the day, it looks a little like this, if you could just kind of put the picture in your mind. Uh, John sprawled out on his bed, talking to his fiance, who lives in Philadelphia, saying, can you just remind me what the most important thing I'm supposed to be doing is? I just can't keep track. What is the one thing I'm supposed to do again tomorrow? Can you tell me what's next and what is most important for me in my life? I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, my relationship with God can start to feel like that. Uh, There's times where it's humming along and it's going well. And I'm thinking, man, I am just, I'm nailing this thing. I'm I'm loving it. I'm feeling sense of accomplishment, encouraged. There's other times I feel like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that I apparently need to do uh, for God. And in my relationship with him, like, wow, there is just so much. Or maybe a relationship with you know, a church or a community. It's like, man, we've got 
faith group and discipleship, and I'm supposed to disciple someone and be discipled and spend time with God and give all I have to the poor, and that one's kind of big. And then, well, I'm supposed to love the homeless, and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to serve, I'm supposed to tithe, I'm supposed to clean my baby's diaper. I'm supposed, it's like we just get so many things. Have you ever felt that in your relationship with God? Um, now, what is the most important thing in this whole process? Uh, maybe you read uh, sometimes to me what feels like um, it's a bit of a dizzying experience, but I go on social media and I stay up on what are the theological issues of the day? What are people discussing and debating and talking about? Uh, I start to feel dizzy after it and it leaves me saying, what in the world is the most important thing that I'm supposed to be doing. It feels like everyone is saying there's something else that is the most important thing, or this is what you need to be passionate about, or this is what you need to be really concerned about. Um, But what is that most important thing? As a church, we're actually in a season where we're kind of re-asking that question to God. Um, And that's actually part of the point of this series, this Back to the Basics series that we're in. We're saying, what is it again that are the most important things to us? And even more than that, is there a most important thing? What is the most important thing? Now, this very question was actually posed to Jesus um, in in the Gospels. And so we're going to look at this and see what Jesus's answer is to this question. What, in fact, is the most important thing. Uh, so that's going to be in Mark 12, 28 to 34. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. That's Mark 12, 28 to 34 is where we're going to be looking. Um, it'll also be up on the screen. You can follow along with that as well. Mark 12, 28 to 34. Says this, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing, uh, debating with one another. So this, there was a group of scribes, kind of religious types, and uh, they were in Jesus and his disciples, and they're all kind of having these disputes, these debates. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, "Which commandment is the most important of all?" Jesus answered, "The most important of all." Or the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You you have truly said that he is one, And there is no one besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him. Any more questions? So there's this debate going on. Um, 
You know, I, <laughs> if, if you've ever been on social media and you've scrolled down a comments section, you've seen debate. <laughs> you've, I don't know if it's good debate. Most of it's not. But you've seen debate. People love to debate about theological things, about spiritual matters, about what it means to follow Jesus. And so um, this sort of thing is going on here. And people love to try and get other people into traps. And, uh, and it actually says that, um, that they were trying to trap him. And so these scribes, these people were with Jesus, and they were actually trying to trap Jesus with questions. So they're asking him these questions. But Jesus has this way of uh, being so winsome and knowing. I mean, when you can discern people's hearts, you have a way of being able to speak um, into kind of the heart motive of what they're addressing. So, so this is what's happening. And um, so this question, but this one guy, it seems like he's actually, his heart's actually in a spot where he's not just trying to trap Jesus. He's actually wanting to have a, a legitimate dialogue about this. So he, he kind of jumps to the forefront. And he says, hey, what, um, which commandment is the most important of all? And this is like that question that I was talking about. What is really the most important thing? Um, in this time, it would have been uh, one, he was trying to figure out, okay, which of the 613 laws and, and commands that kind of get wrapped up in the Old Testament, which of those 613 is the most important? Because I don't know about you, but 613 things on a to-do list feels a little crushing to me, a little overwhelming. So this was actually a common debate, a common discussion in that day. What's the most important thing? Uh, maybe you can relate. <laughs> I would want to know what the most important is, thing is. So like, say you're putting all your energy into something and you're just like, and then you find out that that was 613. And you're like, that kind of stinks. I've been putting everything into the least important one of these. And so people would want to know if I have limited time, energy, space, capacity, like what can I just really throw in all in for? So this is the question. And uh, I, it's a... As you can hear it, maybe you can sense this. It's a bit of a rules question. It's a requirements question. Uh, here, what is the, the main rule? What's the main requirement uh, to have God be pleased with me of, of these kind of commands? What's the main requirement uh, for me to do? And so he asks this question, um, verse 28. Just look at it again. Uh, which commandment is the most important of all? It's interesting how Jesus answers so he answers, the most important is, and he's kind of referencing back to Deuteronomy 6, and something that was said very frequently, morning and evening, called the Shema. Um, and he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Interesting thing about Jesus' answer is that he gives a relationship answer. The guy's asking a question about rules and requirements, and Jesus gives an answer that's a relationship answer. He's saying, well, let's remember this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The whole premise of that is that there were all these other gods. There were all these other idols that existed in that time. And God was saying, I am the only one 
that you should be in relationship with. I'm the only one that will satisfy, that will meet those longings, that I'm calling you to be in relationship with me and not with any of those other idols or God. It was a call unto and into relationship. So Jesus is, then he goes on and he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We're not going to unpack what each one of those means. There's some, some differences in there. But really what Jesus is saying, with your whole person, with your whole being, with your all, that Jesus' call here is to love God with your all. It's a call to relationship. Jesus' call is to love God with your all. When the Bible talks about love, it happens in the context of a relationship. It's not just mere, it's not something you can do out of duty. Uh, It's not something that can be forced. It's an invitation into relationship and then to walk in love. It's the whole person. So Jesus is calling us to love God with our all. That's his call in this passage, to love him with our all. Whole, whole, Whole thing, all of who you are. You say, well, John, that's great. What exactly does that look like to love God with my all? Um, It's almost like sometimes like, okay, I'd rather actually have the 613 than the all. Like what in the world? That seems like a lot. My all. So there's, there's two primary ways that we actually know what this all looks like. Loving God. What this love that he's inviting us into, that he's calling us to. What this actually looks like. The first is that we know what it looks like by Jesus' death on the cross. We have these awesome passages that are just explicit in their answer to this question. 1 John 3.16, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And then in Romans 5.8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So this is showing us what love looks like. There's also another way that we know what this idea of love that we're going to be looking at and kind of unpacking here looks like and is. It's also actually by our experience of his love by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Romans 5.5, before that verse I just read, says... God's love has actually, that's, that's me adding that, has actually been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we've been given to the Holy Spirit and he actually pours God's love into our hearts. But if his death on the cross, so if that's our primary example of what love is, of what love looks like, Uh, It's important for us to dig into that a little bit. As God is calling us, as as Jesus' call is for us to love God with our all, um, be good for us to say, well, what does it look like when he loves us? Perfect love. What does that look like? We're going to look at three truths, three important truths uh, that make up this idea of love when the Bible's talking about love. 
and the love that God has for us, which is the example of the love that we're to kind of pour back to him. You know, 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. And without all three of these, uh, you actually don't have the full picture. Uh, So it's kind of like all three of these are pretty important. And even as we talk about these three, I want you to be thinking in your own life, um, hmm, that's one that maybe I I don't know that I actually experienced that a whole lot from God. Uh, Or that one's really tough for me to be able to put back onto God um, as I love him. The first is this, that God cherishes us. Ephesians 5.29, it says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So God cherishes us deeply. God has an immense amount of affection towards us. There's a lot of different reasons why we may struggle at times to actually experience his affection for us, to feel it, uh, to have experiences where we can actually relate to some of the things that David talks about in the Psalms, where where he, he talks with such language, where he can actually feel the affection of God. There's a whole host of different uh, reasons from the uh, way we were brought up, experiences in life, even things like temperament and um, our relationships with other people. But one of the best prayers that you can pray in the morning is, Lord, help me to feel the affections that you have for me. Help me to feel the affection that you have for me. This is an important part of the love of God. It's not the whole thing uh, we're going to look at. There's two other key components To God's love. His love for us. But as demonstrated in the cross. There was a whole amount of cherishing us. That God desired us. And had a deep affection for us. And that's a a element of the type of relationship of love. That God wants to have with us. So I want you to turn to your neighbor. And you're going to say this. And uh, even if you don't believe it. You're going to start saying it. God cherishes me. You're not going to tell them. You're going to declare it about yourself. God cherishes me. So just real quick, why don't you turn to your neighbor and, uh, and share that. All right, good work. That's a great declaration that you can start speaking over yourself morning, noon, night, whenever you want. You're, that's fair game. God cherishes me. You know, feel like no one else does. God cherishes me. The second is this, that God chose you. God chose us. And he continues to choose us. There's an important part of love with choice and choosing to choose to love someone. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. In his eyes. And he continues to do this. One of the neat things about the way that God chooses us. That if you know Jesus. means that God chose you. It means that he wanted you. And that he desired you. 
There's some people in here who grew up in families where they were never wanted. It was made very clear that, that they weren't desired at all. Actually, even as I was preparing this, I felt the Lord uh, prompting that there were, there were people who would be sitting here who, um, who, never, who have never really known that they're desired and they're wanted. Um, so I just want to encourage you, if you've never experienced that, um, God wants you to experience that. And he wants you to know that he has chosen you. And because he's chosen you, it means that he desires you. He wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. So God's going to be kind of speaking that over you this morning and even throughout this week. Be on the lookout because God's wanting you to know how deeply he desires to be with you and to know you. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, God chose me. God chose me with some gusto. All right. Awesome. All right. There's one more really important element that we see in what is demonstrated through Jesus and his death on the cross for us to restore relationship. And it's this, that God commits to us. I'm going to read a couple verses from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. They'll be up on the screen. And this is kind of talking about and explaining what happened uh, the night before Jesus went to the cross. It says this, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. You could put in a commitment confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So in a, in a little bit, we're going to be taking communion. And as we do, one of the things that we are remembering and we are announcing when we take this is that God is the most committed person ever to exist to each one of us, to each one of us. You're saying, I am announcing that God is committed to me more than any other person on earth. She had an experience with this. Uh, recently, I was spending time with the Lord in the morning, and I was in one of those crushing to-do list days, and I, I wrote this in my journal. I said, I'm learning to bring my mind to you, Papa. All that is going on in my world, I want to bring to you more and more. Papa, what is really going on in my heart? This is what I, I sense back from the Holy Spirit. You are questioning my love and my commitment to you. There's no one on earth who is more committed to you than me. I am committed to you. My love for you is steadfast. I am more committed to you than any other person 
in the world. So as we think about love, there's a commitment to it. And you stand at the altar and uh, one of the closest relationships on earth to be able to try and grasp that relationship that God is desiring to have with us is marriage. And can you imagine standing at the altar and saying, I really cherish you. That's all. I just, I cherish you. Um, I choose you. A lot of people I could be standing up here uh, with. I choose you. But just so you know, I'm not committed to you. Six weeks from now, I may be with someone else. But at the moment, I've chosen you. But I'm not actually committed to you. Uh, I, I believe we'd call that adultery. And a lot of other things. And it's, but it's certainly not love. But the good, good father, who's the father of love, is so committed to each person that he says, I will enter into relationship with you. Every person who his blood was spilt for, the blood, the cup of the new covenant, it's saying, I am committed to you. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to leave that commitment. I'm committed to you even more than that picture, you know, than, than a marriage, than how that, that whole thing works. So it's a way of him saying, I'm committed. So we've got, God cherishes us. He chooses us. And he's committed to us. So 1 John four nineteen it, it says that we love because God first loved us. Uh, that it's his picture of love for us that even shows us what our love for him can look like. So at the harbor, we talk about these core things that we're all about. And the first that you will often hear is this banner right here. Loving God. Loving God. You know, we say we're all about loving God, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus. Beth will be talking about um, the sharing life next week and then the week after that proclaiming Jesus. We're talking about loving God. And so I got thinking to myself, okay, I was driving in the car. I was like, loving God, this is awesome. Like your love for us is clearly most important because if we want to love, it says that um, we love because you first loved us. How does this all work? Like, how do you do this? And I got thinking like love can't be forced. You can't force someone to love and then call it love. It's manipulation. It's a, it's a host of other things, but it's not actually love. Now, I was just thinking about this, even like, how do, we, how do we encourage people to do this in our community? Like, what does it even mean that this is what we're doing? We're loving God. And I, I felt, I sensed this whisper. I wasn't even, this was more me just thinking. This wasn't a moment of like John dialoguing with God. This was just sitting in my car, like pondering. And, uh, and I just, I heard the whisper from the father and he said, John, whichever area people are having the most trouble, just have them, just ask them to bring that area to me and then ask me how much I am how much I love them in that area. As if to say, if you're really struggling with cherishing God, don't just try and whip up 
the energy and the effort and the everything to cherish God. Draw into relationship with Him and ask Him about his, the way that He cherishes you. If you're having trouble choosing God in the midst of all the other choices out there, whether it be, you know, whatever your God, lowercase g, is, the place you go to, whether it be food, entertainment, pornography, whatever. Just, the list can go on and on. Materialism, you know, all the gods that we have in our culture. If you're having trouble choosing Him, why don't you ask Him, would you reveal to me how much you've chosen me? Same would be true of commitment. You know, you're having trouble staying committed to God. God, how, what is your commitment to me? It's interesting, this is, is kind of what Jesus is actually saying, or I, it's kind of, yeah, at the end of this Mark passage. So let, let's jump back to our scribe friend, and we're going to see how what Jesus was kind of talking to me about in the car was very similar to the end of his exchange with this scribe. That there was an invitation into relationship. So Mark 12, 32 to 34, this is the scribe's response. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no one besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, interesting, that's not the typical word that is used in the Bible for wisdom or being wise. It's actually the only time that word's used, and it, it means like you're understanding it rationally. Like you're, you're kind of, you're getting it um, with your reason. So he's saying, hey, you're, you're getting it with your reason. Um, and then he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. I don't know about you. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be not far from the kingdom of God. This is the only time that I can recall Jesus giving a response like this. This isn't a Zacchaeus response of, today salvation has come to this house. Or other times when he says, the kingdom of God is here. It's now. This is, you're, you're close. You're close to the kingdom. Why is it that this guy's only close? Why isn't he in the kingdom? I think it has to do with two differences in his response uh, than what Jesus actually said. So he doesn't repeat back exactly what Jesus said. He actually repeats back something a little bit different. So what he repeats back is, okay, this is good. You know, I, I get it in my, with my reason. And um, he says, you are to love him with all the heart with all the understanding, and with all the strength. Feel how impersonal that is? Jesus just said that the most important thing to this guy, he said the most important commandment is that you would love the Lord with all your heart, 
your soul, your mind, and your strength. And this guy responds with, okay, I get it. We're supposed to love with the heart. With the, here's actually another, he doesn't answer the same thing. He says with the understanding. So he totally leaves out the word that Jesus had used for the soul, for the person, for the essence of who a person is. That was what he says here, the soul, the suke. Um, so he, he leaves that out and he says, okay, so with the understanding and then with the strength. The whole element of relationship is missing from this guy's answer. He asks a question about rules and requirements. And he gets an answer about relationship. But what he takes away from it is, I'm gonna, I'm, I'd rather stay in the place of rules, requirements, and just kind of keeping at a distance from entering into Jesus a relationship with Jesus. It's the, it's the Jesus, I will follow you and be in relationship with you that enters into the kingdom. Those are the responses where Jesus says, you've got it. That's the kingdom. Is relationship with me. Is relationship with God. Is when you walk with him. So there's an invitation from this passage. And this is what we're talking about. When we talk about loving God as a community. It's not just a rule or a requirement that we have to do. It's this place where we enter into relationship with God. And we experience the way that He cherishes us. The way that He chooses us consistently and the way He has chosen us. And the way that He is committed to us. And then as we walk out that relationship... Love grows. We, we love Him. Our feeble attempts at love hopefully become less feeble attempts at cherishing Him, at choosing Him, at being committed to Him. But as that grows, that we can walk into more and more of these places of being committed to Him, of choosing Him, of cherishing Him. So that gets fleshed out in a lot of different ways. It might get fleshed out in... Uh, you know, people coming in on Sunday and they are passionate in their worship. You might say, that's weird. Why are people so passionate in their worship? Well, it's because they've had an encounter with a God who cherishes them. And they respond with passion. And it's amazing. You might say, that person is so all out. I don't get it. They, love, they, they commit to follow Jesus beyond material possessions. They sell things for people. They go to the nation. Why would that person move to this other part of the world? Later in life. You know, why would, they, why would they do that? Well, it's because they've had an encounter with a God who chose them and was committed to them. And their love response is, I choose Him. And I'm committed to Him. And I'm going to walk this out in relationship. And that's where love grows. In the context of relationship. And so that's what the heart behind Jesus' call here is. Is that his call is to love him with our all. But there's an invitation as well. And that invitation is to do it in relationship. And that's what this whole, whole thing is about right here. Communion. Uh, we remember what the Lord has done.
we're going to go into a time where we're going to take communion. It's a time to remember his love for us. I'm going to read this again from 1 Corinthians 11. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Anytime you hear covenant in the Bible, think relationship. It's, it's the, the parameters of a relationship. It's what happens in the context. It's what defines the relationship. So this is God saying, in relationship between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with his blood. An agreement of commitment in his blood. So as we take communion, I want you to bring whichever area you feel like you really struggle in loving God. I know this community well enough and even in prayer this week that this is a people who desire to do this. Who desire to do this well. I sense that when the Lord looks around this room, he sees a lot of people who really have a longing to love God and to love him well. It's part of the reason that you're here. But you don't always feel like you know how or it's a little difficult or what's the next thing on my to-do list to really do with that. As we boil it down to here's the one thing. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, strength. When you think about the place, whether it's cherishing him, choosing him, or being committed to him. Without all of those, it's difficult for it to really be love. But with all three of those, it's amazing. And it's incredibly powerful. That's the kind of love that we're wanting to walk into. Um, the future with as a people, as we say, what's next for us. So I want you to take those and uh, bring it to the Lord. The band could come forward at this point in time and also those who are serving, serving communion. Now the thought of, okay, how do I bring this to God? How do I bring that to him? Bring it to Him in the same way that you would other relationships in your life. Just ask Him. Just talk to Him. Say, Lord, I'm really, I haven't felt like I've cherished you in a long time. I've really desired you. I haven't really felt that. Would you show me how much you cherish me? How much you desire me? How much you care for me? be like, I have so much trouble choosing you. I'm choosing all these other things. Ask him how he chooses you. I'm having trouble being committed. Ask him how much he's committed to you. Because the Holy Spirit is here, as that Romans passage says, to pour his love into your heart. That's, That's real Christianity right there. To pour his love into your heart. And as you do, come receive. 
or, or as you do that, by faith, come. And kind of the other way is through Jesus' death on the cross, that we see that and we remember it and we experience it as we take these elements. Over here to your right, there is a gluten-free option if that's an issue. So please feel free to come serve yourself on that side. Uh, The way that we will do this is kind of just at will. You can come forward and take, uh, take a piece of the matzah bread and dip it, dip it in the cup. Take it on your own. Uh, this week, sometimes we wait and take it together. This week, just as each, each of you respond to the Lord in your own way, just feel free to take it. And, um, and in your response, just walk back into relationship with Him. And in relationship, you know, bring those areas of your heart to Him. I'll pray real quick. Lord, thank You for the way that You cherish us. You've chosen us and You're committed to us. We want to love you like that. Ah, we want to love you like that. Would you help us? We don't want to stand at a distance and say, okay, that's cool, I get it. But we never enter into a relationship with you. We want to walk with you this week. Thank you for your death. Thank you also for your resurrection, the new life, the power. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and pour your love into our hearts 